welcome to the Award Travel 101 podcast. My name is Richard Curry, and in 2013, I started a Facebook group dedicated to teaching people how to travel the world using points and miles. Today, over 50,000 members of Award Travel 101 share, teach, and learn how to travel the world on any budget. This podcast is not only a recap of award travel news and strategy, but also a glimpse into my life of running a Facebook group full-time and the lives of our members. Before we start this week's episode, here's a word from our sponsor. When you join the Fuel Rewards program at Shell, you'll never pay full price for gas again. Even if my car horn sounds like this? Sure. Even if I always blast techno in my car? (laughs) Yeah. Even if I drive for miles with the turn signal on? Of course. Even then. It's time to save five cents per gallon or more on every fill, every day with instant gold status. Visit FuelRewards.com to join now and save today. Active gold status required. See FuelRewards.com slash gold for details. Have participating Shell stations only. Limit 20 gallons. Welcome back to the Award Travel 101 podcast. Today is a topic that is going to evoke a lot of different emotions through our listeners and throughout the Award Travel 101 community. I'm joined by my longtime moderator, uh, Tony Southam, and Mr. Paul Borish, a licensed professional counselor who focuses uh, his efforts on helping people overcome a fear of flying. So, Paul and Tony, thank you so much for taking the next 15 to 20 minutes uh, to speak, and uh, let me know how you're doing today. Uh, I'm doing great, and thank you very much for having me here. Yeah, excited. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me as well. I'm excited to share my uh, experiences. So I was uh, lucky enough to meet uh, Paul through Award Travel 101, met him in person at the beginning of December. He told me a little bit about himself and what he specializes in. And Tony, you jumped in my mind so fast. Um, I'm going to give a brief story on Tony and uh, let her introduce herself uh, and then Paul as well. But uh, Tony, I guess we've been working together for, has it been a couple years already uh, on the Facebook yeah, space? Yeah, it'll be about two years in August already. It's crazy. So Tony um, is an incredibly talented award traveler. I can tell you that after getting to know her uh, quite well. Um, a large family. She has enough points for her family. They take off on international jaunts uh, every summer, do incredible trips to Europe. Um, you're going back to Guatemala again, I think I saw soon. Yeah, yep, this summer. Probably the most unique thing about being in the space, though, Tony, is you have a rather significant fear of flying. Is that is that uh, a correct assumption. Yes. Yeah. I actually um, feel like I have probably one of the most intense fears of flying that I know of when I um, like when I chit chat with other people, like there's a lot of nervous flyers. I'm a like psychotically terrified flyer. So you never came out and actually told myself or our our, uh, fellow moderators this, but we kind of picked it up over time. My specific story, I'm going to tell on you a little bit is um, you sent me a picture one time. Uh, you were at the gate of a JetBlue flight, and you took a picture of the plane. You said, Richard, this plane is broken. I have to tell the flight crew. And I was like, what is she talking about? So you sent me a, a picture of the rudder um, with the um, rudder turned a little bit to the right, which I knew that they do sometimes to exercise the hydraulic system when they park at the gate. You look at the tall vertical tail on the very back of the plane on the top and the rudder is turned. You said, I'm going to tell somebody the plane's broken. And I said, Tony, the plane's not broken. It's okay. Uh, don't do it. But you actually went and found the pilot, right? And you had to show him the plane that it was broken. Yeah, I took a picture um, and I was like, I'm sure this is just fine, but like, I feel like there might be something wrong with the plane. And I think you need to look at this picture. What did he, what did he say? 
he just kind of giggled so nice and was like exactly what you had said. Like it had to do with like the difference between a Boeing and an Airbus and their hydraulic systems. And he was like, I promise you that's how it's supposed to look and it's going to be just fine. <laughs> so, so that was the first insight. And I said, wow, number one, I am so impressed that you continue to travel the way that you do. But man, I hope there's something one day that we can help because every time you fly, you get in our mod chat and you say, guys, I'm about to fly again. I'm losing it. I've like sent you screenshots of the weather radar to show you like, hey, look, no storms should be a smooth flight. Yep. You know, we try and make you feel better. But then I met Paul. So uh, Paul Borsch, um, we met in December and um, I, I am so excited that our paths crossed. One of the amazing things of War Travel One. Give us a little bit about your background and um, how it led you to do what you do today. Yeah, so I've been working as a licensed professional counselor for 20-some years now. Uh, I've worked in a number of settings, inpatient hospitals, outpatient programs. Um, in 2003, my wife and I moved to the Alaska bush for four years, and I worked out there as a um, counselor, flying to work every day and little Pipers and Cessnas. It was a lot of fun. Um, a couple of years ago, I decided to transition full-time into private practice. I had been doing that on the side for a number of years. And I had accumulated a few clients that had various fear of flying or travel anxieties and sort of looking at an opportunity to restart uh, in, in a career with a private practice, I decided to specialize in, in something that combined my two first loves, traveling, flying, and psychology. So as you explained it to me, you're the world's only executive travel coach, and that's because you've completely made up that title, right? <laughs> because I made up that title. Um yeah, so Excellent. thank you. There, there's sort of some complications in being uh, in telepsychology. It's a new field, and you get into this real rat's nest of intrastate licensing. And so, in certain states, with Tony, where she resides, I, I have to, I can't call myself a licensed professional counselor unless I get a license in her state. Uh, so this sort of ties in with another part of my uh, practice where I teach people how to travel better. Um, so I'm working uh, as an executive travel coach, partially because of licensing issues, and then with some of my clients, really some of the tips that, that we all learn in, in what we do, uh, pass on to my clients and sort of show them how to up their travel game. Perfect. So I introduced you to Tony um, so that uh, we could get one of our very good mods and our friends some help. Um, Paul's over at uh, travelerspsych.com. That's travelers and a P-S-Y-C-H.com. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious a few questions. And I told Tony and Paul before this interview, they can choose not to answer completely respect the privacy that's going on. Again, I think Tony's being incredibly brave to, to share all of this. Um, but Tony, give us a, an idea of what a typical flight entails for you. When does, um, when do the sweaty palms start? What are some things that have happened to you on a plane? Uh, you know, exactly how severe has this been for you? Yeah. So, um, 
where to start? I, I, I'll give you a little history. So I, I do remember the first real flight that I had ever gone on. I was about 16 and I was with my mom and we were flying and I, I had no idea what to expect, but I felt pretty good overall. And then it started getting turbulent and I didn't know turbulence was like a thing. Like I had zero knowledge of what a plane was like, you know? And, um, I remember the captain turned the seatbelt sign on and my mom looked at me and she said, Oh, and expletive. (laughs) And I remember just like bawling right there. Like, Oh, my first flight and we're going to die. My mom had a pretty intense, um, fear of flying as well. So I remember that being like my first experience. So over the years, you know, just having kids and things like that, it's just kind of escalated. I always get, um, if I go without my kids, I, you know, I get nervous and I feel guilty for leaving them behind. If I go with my kids, I feel nervous and guilty for putting in the, putting them in a potentially dangerous situation. So um, it's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of times, uh, it's got, this part has gotten better, but just even days before I start having like nightmares about the flight, I have lots of dreams about us, you know, crashing. And then um, usually once I get to, I can get to the airport. And once we get there, that's when I, you know, my heart starts, my heart rate starts to really pick up. And then once we, um, you know, board the first, probably like 20 minutes of the flight, I'm just, just kind of a mess. Then depending on how the flight goes, I usually can calm down for a bit, but if, you know, we go, um, go through like things like clouds or, um, it starts getting really turbulent. I just like lose it. I mean, I cry on more flights than not just like hysterically crying. Like this is it. We're dead. (laughs) You told me that you you have grabbed the hand of your seatmates, the complete strangers and squeeze them. And it's, it's panic. Is it, would you, would you describe it that way? Oh yeah. It's complete panic. Um, when we were flying to, um, from Guatemala to Panama, it was really stormy and the, um, the captain came on and said we were going to have to, uh, go around the storm, which just, should have made me feel safe, right? Like, oh, great. He's not crazy. We're not going right through the storm. We're going around it. But just the idea that there was a storm. So I was actually a few rows behind anyone with my kids. And I just like jumped up and ditched my kids and ran to the nearest person and sat down and like, I was like, can I please hold your hand? I'm so afraid. <laughs> and I just cried and he held my hand and he was like, this is not bad. This is just how it is. And I was like, I'm just so afraid. <laughs> So I'm not going to laugh, but, you know, in, in hindsight, things are funny. Um, and But uh, so my, my biggest question is, how do you make yourself do this? You love points and miles. You travel internationally with your kids alone, often without your husband, Nathan. What gives you the willpower to be able to wake up and, and say, I'm going to do this again? I think that um, I've been blessed with the ability to understand that my fear is irrational. So even though it feels so real, um, I still am like, when I'm going through it, it feels so real. But when I'm not, I know that it is in my head. And I know that it is irrational. So somehow, I'm able to just continue to travel, knowing that, like I said, even though the fear is very real and stuff, um, I I'm able to just, you know, kind of keep getting on the plane stuff because I know that it's, it's like fake fear. Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. And I think that is probably something maybe Paul can speak to other patients generally, but probably some cannot separate that. Is that, is that accurate? Or is that something you look for, Paul? 
that that is pretty accurate. Uh, one thing I want to say is everybody is different. You know, everybody's an individual, and what some people experience as fear of flying can be very different from others. Um, fear of flying is classified as a phobia, uh, aviophobia, or aerophobia would be the the terms, the technical terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about phobias is very frequently people know that their anxiety, their fear is irrational, meaning that they know it's not realistic. Um, So Tony can very well, uh, you know, the things we talk about very well, she she has a better understanding of airplane mechanics than I do. Uh, So she can look at the wing and think it's falling apart, but another part of her knows that it isn't. Uh, so that's very common in people with phobias. When you meet a new patient like Tony, um, and not speaking specifically to her situation, but in general, what are kind of the first things that you evaluate as a licensed professional counselor and with years of experience, if you're in the Alaska bush, I'm sure some people are terrified of the small planes. When you meet a new patient, how do you start evaluating somebody and their fear of flying? Great question. Um, so I begin with, uh, an interview. If I'm working with somebody not in my local area, we do it by uh, telephone or video conference, begin with an interview. And I have some assessment tools that I send them to fill out. Tony had done that for me. There are a couple of scales that I use that measure uh, fear of flying, uh, sort of what what is the part that's in their head and what is is fear of you know, how that what they experience physically. Uh, what I'm trying to get at is finding out exactly what their travel anxiety is. Like I said, a lot of people, they call it fear of flying, but probably half the time it isn't. There are other phobias. There's one called agoraphobia. Um, which many people think is, is like a fear of leaving the house. It's, it's an, a fear of fear. So it's a fear of having a panic attack. So an individual with that on an airplane isn't so much afraid of the plane crashing. They're afraid of something happening that they would lose control, have a panic attack, embarrass themselves, or cause some kind of big disruption. Some people are afraid of heights. Some people are afraid of enclosed spaces. Um, So the first part is finding out exactly what the actual fear is and where it comes from. So the reason that uh, I asked you both to uh, come and speak today, um, it's Monday, February 26th, is Tony, you flew for the first time this past weekend since you've been working um, with Paul. And as I've uh, done a little bit of pre-reading before this and speaking with both of you, uh, to make everybody listening aware, this is not an instant fix situation. And Paul and Tony can both speak at great lengths to this. Uh, There's no... I'm assuming, Paul, there's no switch just to flip and say, okay, congratulations, you're cured, Tony. You can go fly the rest of your life. You're free, right? I mean, it's. Boy, I wish there was. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> so you flew for the first time, and I want to hear um, a little bit about how that went. I've, we've heard about it in the mod chat, but uh, I was excited to see, you know, at least hopefully there is um, a light at the end of the tunnel now. I, I know it's going to take time, but tell us how Friday's um, flight went and then how the return flight went uh, back home. Yeah, no, I'm happy to share. Um, so I think I need to establish like I'm all I'm already a very anxious person. 
So um, some, for some reason, like something about flying just really brings it out of me. Um, like Paul was saying, uh-huh. there's different um, reasons that people are afraid of flying. Um, some people are, you know, afraid of height. Some people are afraid of enclosed places. I'm definitely not um, afraid of those. I mean, I jumped off a bridge in Ecuador for $20. Like, <laughs> so. Oh, good, because the $15 bridge is the one that breaks. $20, you're good to go. That's fine. Yeah, 20 20 is where you know it's safe, right? <laughs> um, 15, they don't attach a, a rope right. to <laughs> Well, so so one of the things that Paul and I have been working on is just, just getting my general anxiety under control and learning coping mechanisms for that. So that, that translates over to when I fly as well. I need to um, just kind of learn how to control my anxiety and learn different coping mechanisms. Like one thing, it sounds so um, so insignificant, but just learning to control my breathing and to center myself. So like when I start getting really nervous during takeoff, one thing that happens is I start breathing really quickly. Then my heart rate starts elevating. And then I start panicking because I know I'm going to panic. So one of the things like um, that we do is, you know, just really focus on breathing, just breathe, breathe. And we've done a lot of work with that. And like I said, it sounds like, oh, just breathe, you know, that's it. But, you know, it's kind of processes and stuff. And Paul's really taught me um, different ways to, you know, work on that breathing. And a few other things that we've worked on, um, uh, correct me if I say this wrong, but like, it's a cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's about learning to change my thoughts. So when I'm on the airplane, and it starts getting bumpy, and I or I see storm clouds, and I think, oh, crap, there's storm clouds, like, I know we're going to get struck by lightning right away. I um, have to like refute that thought and say planes fly through clouds all the time. And even if we did get struck by lightning, that's okay. Planes are made to handle lightning. So I'm constantly almost like in a boxing match with my thoughts, you know, yeah. like, so when those thoughts pop in, I have to, I have to rationalize and refute them. How did it go on Friday with, with your, um, strategies um so friday yeah it went friday was pretty good you know um like i mentioned it's definitely going to be a long process and i did have some anxiety but it was also i had a lot of um victories too like i felt like i was able to recover a lot faster um you know things like that i was able to relax sooner than usual because usually i'm pretty anxious almost the duration of the whole flight this flight it took me about halfway and then i was really able to calm down relax, take a nap. So, and then the Sunday return flight, it, it sounded like it may not have gone as well. Right. Right. So the, the return flight, there was a lot of clouds and that was something that really, really made me nervous. But, um, once again, you know, a lot of times like the clouds would really set me off, which like they did. Don't get me wrong. I still got really nervous about the clouds and I did kind of fall apart for a minute, but I was able to use a lot of these techniques to reel myself back in. And after, after I had a big meltdown that only lasted a couple minutes, I was able to kind of reel myself back in. And once again, like, even though we stayed in the clouds for the duration of the flight, I was able to calm down, relax and feel pretty good. And it was, that was huge for me because normally once I'm wound up, it's almost impossible for me to calm down. And this time I was able to calm down quite quickly. So Paul, talk to us about, I guess, your 
um, if there's a such thing as a typical timeline. Uh, I know it probably depends vastly upon sure. uh, severity of people with anxiety, but you know how how often or how long does it take for people to see some significant improvement? Sure. Now, um, as I said, everybody is different. Uh, one thing I do want to say about Tony, boy, she does her homework, um, and and I wish all of my clients. Uh, as well as Tony. Uh, I've sent her a number of worksheets and she fills them out and does a great job and um, follows the suggestions and techniques I send her. Um, she does the same thing with points and miles, so that doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> well, there you go. We, we are detail-oriented people, right? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it's, it's really... I, I used to work in research in in um psychology and frequently people within with cognitive behavior therapy frequently within 10 sessions people have uh, a good amount of change um i would say typically you're probably whether done by telecounseling or in person an expectation of about six months on average for complicated issues like this. Um, one of the next stages for Tony and I and, and need to discuss this with her is probably me being with her on a flight. Uh, this is the part that my, my daughter, Sydney, refers to uh, that her father is a, a professional emotional support animal. Uh, so flying along with Tony and sort of coaching her through the panic attacks and, and uh, if there is one and getting a sense of what that act anxiety actually looks like, where it comes from. Tony's been very good. I've given her some techniques to stop those thoughts when they start building. Um, that scenario will continue to work on what Tony had mentioned. And this is a, a, a about breathing and I'll throw this out there to the whole audience. Um, I learned, I also do in my local area, uh, crisis and disaster counseling. And I was introduced to an app that actually came out from the uh, government and it's called Tactical Breather. And anybody that has any kind of travel anxiety, I highly recommend this to you. It just very simply walks you through breathing exercises. And as Tony is learning, that's one of the most important steps to prevent panic from setting in. Tactical breather. Breather, yeah. No, that's, that's good to know. I think um, my wife won't mind telling me on a little bit. She's also a very anxious person and um, has worked um, very hard on the breathing techniques, especially as a yoga teacher as well. And uh, it doesn't surprise me at all, Tony, to hear you say that that's probably the number one thing that you did quickly to try and uh, keep those things uh, under control. Yeah, it's just such an easy way to to get centered again and stuff too, you know. So it's when, when Tony and I started working together, which was um, on a trip he took to Europe uh, over the holidays, uh, and and I will never forget this that she had posted a picture of her Apple Watch showing her heart rate of 129 beats per minute. And Tony, what do I always say to you about before you fly? take the damn watch off uh yeah right now later in treatment i'm actually going to ask her to put that back on so she can see 
<clears throat> that she keeps her heart rate under control. Um, but having those visual cues that you're having a panic attack does not help. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so it sounds like for better or for worse, Tony, we're in for a, a little bit of a ride, um, which I am just so thrilled that um, we've started down this path because I know how much you love to travel. I know how excited and fulfilled you are when you're with your family uh, overseas. Um, and the fact that you have the courage to do that with four um, little ones and often without your husband that uh, one day when you don't have this hurdle to get on a plane to get there to make um, all of that fun stuff happen for you, it's going to be, um, I'm going to celebrate with you just as much as you probably celebrate yourself. Uh, so the good news is I really want to continue to do these interviews, uh, check in with you another six months. Um, I would love to sit a few rows behind Paul and Tony when they fly together so I can see um, what kind of emotional support animal Paul is. <laughs> I think that would be uh, extremely interesting. Um, but again, I really can't thank you enough for how open um, you've been with us and you're willing to share these thoughts. And um, like we talked before we started recording, I really want to empower the other people in the award travel one-on-one -on -one community, which yes, is about points and miles and learning how to travel without spending a lot of money, but we are a community and this is a wonderful showcase to hopefully help anybody else out there um, that is struggling with the same kind of anxiety. You can look up Paul's information. You can talk to him, travelerspsych.com. Um, Mr. Paul Borsch, thank you so much for being willing to do this and for helping uh, our friend uh, Tony. And again, Tony, um, thank you so much for being uh, willing to share this kind of information. I wish you all of the best on your next flight, um, which I hope is eventually going to be where um, all of us get to hang out together again in person. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. Uh, Tony's been a pleasure to work with, and thank you, Richard, for getting us together. My pleasure. So we could work on this. Nope, it's been great. Uh, one of the powers of uh, the community. Who thought just points and miles could make these uh, wonderful things happen? And I'm glad that there's uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we'll be right back here on the Award Travel 101 podcast. The Award Travel 101 podcast is brought to you by the Fuel Rewards Program. Go to fuelrewards.com slash award travel podcast and register for a free account. You learn instant gold status, which gives you five cents per gallon savings on every fill up at participating shell stations. Never pay full price again with the fuel rewards program. Big thanks to Paul and Tony for taking the time to come and speak with us today. I will be checking with in with Tony on a regular basis. I almost speak to her every single day, and as she continues to share her stories of her upcoming flights, I'll be sure to pass along some of those into Award Travel 101. Which reminds me, if you're not a member of our wonderful community, over 54,000 strong, head to Facebook, type in Award Travel 101 in the top search bar will be the first result. Make sure you submit a request to join the group. We do review every profile that requests to enter our community so we can be sure to keep the spam out. Head over to Apple or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate the podcast, give us feedback anytime over in Award Travel 101. Check out our website, awardwallet.com slash podcast. My partners over at Award Wallet are hosting the site and all the show notes. On a final note, thanks to Shell and everybody over at the Fuel Rewards Program for their sponsorship and allowing me to save at the pump every time I fill up. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>